0: Would you now, with the whole world watching, tell President Putin, would you denounce what happened in 2016, and would you warn him to never do it again?
1: All I can do is ask the question. My people came to me, Dan Coats came to me, and some others, they said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin, uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this, I don't see any reason why it would be. I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today, and what he did is an incredible offer. He offered to have the people working on the case come and work with their investigators with respect to the 12 people. I think that's an incredible offer. Greetings, mortal
0: comrades, and welcome to Podcast Medieval. I am Doug Leaf, I am Dean Oster. And we're talking like this because it is our election special all about Comrade Vladimir Putin. Yes, our glorious people's election special. <laughs> <laughs> because in Soviet Union, podcast listens to you. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right, that's enough of that.
2: Yeah, what, we've got a real whimsical subject ahead of us, so I'm glad we're yeah. having fun. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to do uh, Vladimir Putin on this podcast. Uh, Episode and you know we were thinking about it as we head into this election, which I think by the time this airs will be within uh, forty-eight hours to tw- twenty-four or to forty-eight less. hours. Yeah, or knowing <laughs> me, it happened a week ago. But, <laughs>
0: and we still uh, don't know the outcome,
2: right? That's right. We're still tallying the votes. But uh, we, Doug and I, talked about this, and you know there have been people who have suggested like do Trump and you know or do Mitch McConnell. When we, you could do that. You you could do that. But I think we think about these people a lot and a lot more than we'd like to right now. And that, of course, is the, is the great promise of this election is that you could finally change the channel from Trump TV. You know, you can you can go a day without having to think about him. So, yeah, we thought about, well, what could we do that feels connected and motivating? And of course, the man behind the scenes, the man behind the curtain, Vladimir Putin.
0: Yeah, he's also our first figure that we're doing that's still alive out of all the historical figures we've done, which is interesting in that, you know, the the end of his story is not yet written. He has said he will leave office at the end of his term, which is uh, in 2024, but knowing Putin being as squirrely as he is. Hard to know if he'll really do that or if yeah, he'll he'll like walk exchanges. outside of
2: his office and he'll go like i there, I left office, and <laughs> mm-hmm. so then he goes right back in and is president for another ten years. That's right.
0: That's how Groundhog Day works in Russia.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, as yes. I did it on the opposite day. Yeah, my fingers were crossed.
0: So yeah, a very interesting figure. Uh, as we'll we'll talk about some of the details. I will say as a caveat up top, there's obviously way more ground to cover with Vladimir Putin than we can get to in a single episode. And beyond that, the complexities of Russian government are well beyond my capability to cram into my head for this podcast. So I'm going to do my best to get in some of the major points. I guarantee you there's a lot more detail that, that I could ever possibly hope to to come by and deliver to you guys. So, um if you're a, a Russian historian, this is uh, this episode is going to infuriate you with all my inaccuracies, but I'm going to do my best here. There's just a lot to talk about.
2: Yes, that is our audience, uh Russian historians. D- a disproportionate number <laughs> hey, of Hey, <our> Dimitri. <laughs> um all right, great. Well, uh we should also mention up top, you know, if you uh, like the podcast and or if you you don't like the podcast and you want to reach out to us and complain about the fact that all of our Halloween episodes are <laughs> backed up, uh, hopefully they will come out. I think by now, I think we if uh, we're able to initiate uh, our our emergency operation, we just sort of peppered you with them. Over the last few days, so you could at least binge them on Halloween. But uh, if you want to talk to us, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Podcast But Evil. And if you are a new listener and have not left a review for us, please do. Or click a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts. Just go ahead and click the uh, the star ratings there. It really helps us out.
0: All right, so Dan, shall we kick this off as usual? Yes. <laughs> uh, so, oh you want me to ask you? myself <laughs> no no uh what are you, what do you know about vladimir putin without having done any studying
2: dan what do i know about vladimir putin <laughs> uh, all right uh well uh, of course i know nothing i know nothing uh no what do i know about vladimir putin well he got his start i mean you might go back further than this maybe we'll go to you know little putin Back when he was uh, shooting his slingshot at capitalists, but <laughs> he uh, he got to start the KGB, uh, if I recall, and uh, was kind of a true believer at the time. Uh, from what I understand, was really you know kind of he was young and and really into the whole you know uh, glory of Russia. And he, when it collapsed, I think he took it really hard. Uh, managed to survive that politically, though, or, you know, go into politics and become who he is today. Uh, I guess he's now he's the president, right? Did he, he took like a little brief sojourn where he was like the super secret president, right? He became prime minister and then became right. president
0: again. We'll talk right. about he was how president, that
2: happened. But. Right, because there's a Russian constitution which doesn't let you be president for more than a certain amount of time. And so he kind of got around it. But basically, you know, he has not left office. He has held on to power. He is the quintessential modern example I think of a corrupt politician who uses his office to enrich himself and his friends. It's really where this country is kind of going right now, this oligarchy. They've, you know, they you know sometimes I and this is going to sound horrible, but I go Okay, okay, well, communism, you know, it didn't really work out, but it was the Russians doing it. Maybe it was the Russians that was the problem because (laughs) their version of capitalism is so horrible. It's like, you know, but anyway, so that's kind of, you know, it's interesting that he started out in a communist system, but really took to capitalism and found a way to turn it to his advantage. but I think he always really held on to this belief in the superiority of Russia. And that is something that I think he believes, in addition to enriching himself and being corrupt. Certainly has an, an axe to grind and an old grudge with the United States. And I'm sure believes and maybe accurately believes that the Cold War never ended. Uh, there's one other chapter in his story that I know you're going to cover, which is, you know, we talk not maybe on on this podcast, we talk about it sometimes, but as a society, we obviously talk about conspiracy theories and things like that. And most of the time, they seem kind of wacky. But with Putin, uh, some of the stuff doesn't sound quite so wacky. And in fact, a lot of it is supported by evidence. And there is this story where it seems like he may have killed some of his own citizens in a, a bombing in an apartment building to blame it on Chechen rebels and to use that to consolidate power. Again, that normally would sound like a wackadoo theory, but I've looked into it a little bit in the past and it seemed like there was actually quite a bit to support that. So not a good guy. That's what I know about Vladimir Putin. That's
0: why he's on this show. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you you did, uh, you did nailed a lot of it. Um, I do want to talk about his early life. I, I don't think we need to go much farther back than the KGB. He's born in 1952 and and basically he's raised as an only child. There were two older siblings that both died before he was born. And he uh, – uh, after graduating high school, he went to uh, – went into law school and graduated in 1975 and went straight into the KGB right out of law school. Um, the, the only reason I mentioned law school uh, as being important is not because he's some great legal scholar. Or for, I have no idea how good he was at, at law. He certainly never actually practiced a day in his life, but he uh, he met a guy there, uh, at one of his law professors, I got to find his name uh, here, I think it's Anatoly uh, Solchak, uh something like that. I know I'm going to mispronounce a lot of these Russian names, but uh, he is later instrumental in Putin's rise to power, but he met him as a professor at law school. Uh-huh. The other thing from his early life that is interesting and played a role later is that from I think the age of 12, he got really into martial arts, uh, including judo, at which he is apparently very good. And that plays into this super machismo <laughs> image that he likes to pre- – like we all can conjure up that image of him without a shirt on a, a horse holding an right, right. AK-47.
2: And, I mean that is such a fascist yeah. thing, the 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 machismo, right? Like it, it's, it's every single – fascist uh, government has this idea that like men are men and women are women. And that's where you stay. You know, you are that thing and it's another form of control. And it's just really interesting to me. I love that he's a judo expert because that just puts him firmly in bond villain (laughs) category. (laughs) So like, you know, you get to him and now you have to defeat him in judo.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He pairs interestingly with another figure we've done, Idi Amin, uh, and if you remember, Idi Amin was also like a world-class athlete. Uh, like, you know, the the kind of – it's interesting that these these fig- people always want to project this kind of a strong man image. But to their credit, <laughs> Idi Amin and Vladimir Putin actually were – or are, in Putin's case, they're pretty solid like physical uh, threats as athletes. Oh, well,
2: absolutely. You know? I mean, I, look, he's an awful human being, but – Respect where respect is due. He's good at being awful, and he's the guy that Bush League dictators like Donald Trump would like to be.
0: Well, that's why Trump is always trying to talk about, you know, his, you know, he, yeah, you can w- literally watch him fail to walk down a ramp very well. But the next, <laughs> then he goes to a rally and spends 17 minutes talking about, this was the toughest ramp you ever saw. <laughs> I, I conquered this thing like St. George and the fucking dragon. You know, I like, mean, okay. it's so
2: nuts because it's like they all have this mythology, all these dictators and everything. But like, that's what, you know, you got to work with what you've got. And that's what Trump has, you know, the ramp, the slightly inclined ramp that he overcame.
0: Right. And some rounds of golf at our expense. Every right. Other right. Weekend. The battle of Mar-a-Lago. Um, right. So but it is, you know, th- we could talk about Putin, the person, but th- this athletic image doesn't really go away. And in fact, is really kind of, you know, a big part of his his mar- self-marketing as a leader. And it shows up, uh, you know, once he's actually in control of Russia like there's lots of shots of him doing like you know kind of cr- hunting of uh, endangered uh, big cats like tigers and and shit and like doing other kinds of extreme sports to kind of prove like normally this would make him like the poochie of politics where he's like you know I like surfing and you know um but he he seems to legitimately be like pretty good at all this stuff that is just, you know
2: again oh I'm no Doug, you're buying in you're buying into the propaganda <laughs> well
0: i'm not buying the propaganda but it's like you can literally watch you know footage of him and it's like shit guys this guy is strong he's like five foot two but he's you know he's uh, he's got a lot of muscle mass mm. so there you go but yeah we should talk about the kgb because that's really where he does get his start
2: and basic bit of defining here but the KGB is it an oversimplification to basically say it was the equivalent of the Soviet FBI CIA CIA okay this is their foreign operations yeah
0: this is their their government agency that they use to you know spy on other ah, governments and right. interfere with them and Got you know it. yeah so they they are the the counterpart to the CIA in in many ways The funny thing is is I thought this was going to be, you know, a place to look for some really interesting stuff on Putin's origins. And it turns out his assignment was kind of boring. He he, he was basically uh, stuck in Dresden in East, what was then Soviet or communist East Germany. And he just kind of just spent some time uh, spying on a handful of uh, people coming in and out of it and collecting a lot of like newspaper clippings, to track their comings and goings, that all kind of added up to not much, especially when, you know, the, the consolidation of East and West Germany was not that far out. So it's not right, that... Right, well, so just imagine
2: you know, for a second that you were doing this shit job for how long, you know, however many years or whatever, collecting newspaper clippings, and then the wall comes down, you know? <laughs> God mm-hmm. damn it! Yep. Uh,
0: what is valuable to him though though, is he definitely starts to learn about the power of, like, grifting and corruption, like using your position to get ahead. You know, he definitely starts forging relationships with people. He's, you know, people are starting to look at him to see if, you know, is he actually playing by the rules, by Russia's standards? Is he, you know, is he trying to like enrich himself and kind of, you know, fuck over uh, his superiors? Oh, that's kind of way. fun.
2: So he's sort of like a murderous Ferris Bueller. <laughs> I, he's a little more like...
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of an '80s equivalent. It's not quite Ferris Bueller though, because Ferris Bueller is kind of like he's just chilling and like having some time to himself. This guy is more like, you know, oh, I'm gonna be a con man. You know, there's a little more of that too.
2: He's like a Bill Murray in Stripes. There you
0: go. There's the '80s uh, figure I'm looking for. (laughs) Uh, So that's it. The wall comes down. Um, He's in the KGB for a few more years until 1991. And at that point, that's when kind of the Soviet Union is really collapsing and there's a full shift from – there's a coup against Mikhail Gorbachev and Boris Yeltsin comes into power. And like the day of the coup, Putin says, I knew what side I was on. I was picking Yeltsin's side. This whole communist thing is really stupid. He he describes it as like a a history's wrong turn. So he is a true believer, like he said, in the superiority of Russia, but he has no love for communism. And maybe it's just because – you can't get rich in communism. Yeah, it's
2: hard. It's hard to be a communist grifter. I mean, you can do it, but you have to be like high up in the party. So right, and I and I I think I made that distinction too. I, I never thought that. I mean, clearly he didn't buy into the system because he's dropped it completely. But he definitely is a an ethno nationalist. You know, Russian Russophile or whatever. You know.
0: Yeah, I I think that's a, actually a very apt description of kind of his world view. Uh It's he's very much about you know power for power's sake. It, in this case, Russia's power for himself, and
2: um, which so, is funny by the way, you know because they've done a lot with a little. They're not. I mean, they're 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 geographically a large country, but you know, there's a lot of it's just like Siberia tundra, yeah, yeah, tundra, and their economies. What's it's like less than California's, right? I mean, it's like it's a <laughs>
0: I wouldn't have that data for you. I know that their population is about half of what the United States is population. Yeah, they're just is.
2: not they're just not, you know, as much of a force as, the, as you think they would be on paper, except for the number of nuclear weapons that they have, which I think might even exceed ours. I'm not sure. We're de- we you know, we're both in the number 1 and number 2 slot, but I do think that they might even have more than ours. You know, we could all destroy the world many times over with the number of nukes we have. It's obscene, but it's just interesting that Russia, you know, and th- and that is that there is that inferiority complex that comes into play with dictators, too, right? Which is like wanting to manipulate world events despite the fact that you don't really have quite the seat at the table that you'd like to have.
0: I, I Vladimir Putin strikes me as someone who would probably be a very good poker player. And he is someone who is capable, and as we'll see when he actually... We get to the part where he takes control of Russia. He seems like the kind of guy who's willing to just sort of keep making large bets because he knows that will scare off most of the table, even including the U.S. sometimes. And there's a way that mutually assured destruction stuff kind of falls down a little bit where one person is starting to be an aggressor and the other person goes, well, I can't push back too hard. It will trigger World War III. So the other guy just keeps pushing. And right now Putin is that guy. Uh, and he knows that that strategy works. Right. With
2: like the invasion of Crimea and things like that, you know, under normal circumstances, that would be unacceptable. But I think he realizes, much like Trump realizes, that a lot of this stuff is just sort of a gentleman's agreement.
0: Yeah. Well, it, yeah. What are you really going to do to try and stop me?
2: Right. Right. Is the yeah. world really going go to go well? This was this whole idea with NATO, right? Which was the the whole concept of that organization, which was you know designed to be a counterbalance to the Soviet Union. Uh, and it's, and to, again, to define it as best I can, I'm sure you can correct me, but it's the North know, it's, Atlantic treaty organization. Right. And it's a bunch of nations, including the United States and a lot of European countries that basically have set in the, the, and I, and I think that I forget what they call it, but there's this like guiding principle, which is like, and I forget what it's like an attack on Berlin is an attack on Boise or something like that. It's something like that. It's like, right. if you attack one of us, you attack all of us. So the smaller nations that are a part of it are protected. That's the whole point. Otherwise, they would just get rolled over because no one's going to go to war for them. Um, But when you and Trump has talked a lot of of shit about NATO and attempted to weaken it in in significant ways, you know, once you start saying, well, maybe we won't protect you, you know, well, then what's to stop Vladimir Putin from just going ahead and rolling over his neighbors?
0: Or for those neighbors and he doesn't even have to for those neighbors to go, well, then we're going to go with him because he probably will protect us if he says so. Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the things that happened with the fall of the Soviet Union was that an enormous number of pieces of it broke off into other countries. And Putin has said he regards that as just a colossal catastrophe from, from the Russian perspective. They lost millions of square miles of territory uh, in the fall of the Soviet Union. And of course, their economy was trashed for you know, most of the 90s. And he uh, – after the, the Cold War ended, he ended up occupying various positions in the government of uh, the city of St. Petersburg, which was Leningrad under the Soviet Union, uh, went back to being St. Petersburg again. Uh, but his mentor, this Anatoly Sobchak guy, was the mayor of St. Petersburg. So as his you know f- former law professor, he kind of picked him and started putting him in various roles – where he was able to grift, as he does, and uh, not get caught despite public suspicion. And he kind of used that position for many years uh, up through, I think, the mid-90s until he was plucked by uh, Yeltsin's government to head some various um, agencies within the Russian government. So, for example, he became the head of uh, a part of the Russian government that oversees their land holdings in other countries, these kinds of like mid-level bureaucratic positions. And nonetheless, over this like course of like 96, 97, 98, he keeps working his way up through these positions until he's the prime minister. Uh, and then in 1999, something really interesting happens. Boris Yeltsin, who had been president of Russia for, I think for, yeah, about eight years, right from 1991 to 1999, up and retires. He resigns. He says, I'm done. Which makes Vladimir Putin the acting president of Russia.
2: Mm, that reminds me of a little guy named Hitler, right? Now, was... Not familiar.
0: I haven't heard of him. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry, sorry, Chuck Hitler. I went to high school oh, with yeah, him. He Chuck was such Hitler. a jerk. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, but that was sort of a similar thing too, right? Because you know he ended up in uh, the position of, I guess, what was it chancellor or whatever? You know, ultimately yeah. or high chancellor. But he was in a different position, something in, in like the. I get it all. I'll get it all. Ryan, right, I have to bone up. But you know, he ultimately was like acting something or other, or appointed as another, and then kind of used that then to become you know der Uh and and yeah, so it's a little bit like that. Yeah, he kind of was able to sort of sneak in, yeah, like, like an invasive can, organism.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I can't tell if this is, like, luck or genius or both. I really can't tell. And maybe that's just because I don't know enough or maybe it's because I don't understand enough about how the Russian government is structured to see, you know, understand exactly the nuances of all the moves he's making. But one thing I found out that was interesting is so the, the, the timing of the... The sudden retirement was certainly interesting, and it raises the specter of whether Putin had something on him to engineer this. But the the Russian election for president at that point was six months away. Well, when Boris Yeltsin resigned, the resignation triggered some Russian law that says, well, now we have to have an election within three months to replace you because you resigned instead of finishing out your term. And I think that somehow meant that Putin, because I guess maybe he saw this coming, had some kind of a jump on the other folks who were going to vie for that presidency, Mm -hmm. which, of course, he ended up ultimately winning and uh, becoming the full president of Russia in the spring of 2000.
2: Wow. Manipulating an election. Nothing timely about that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that, by the way, you know, just to pull over for a second. I mean, that, of course, is the great fear uh, of the erosion of democracy in this country, right? Because it's not that you won't have elections anymore; they just won't be actual well, elections. They'll, they'll be, be shams. Yeah, you're right. Which is what basically Russia has, and uh, you know we just saw that in uh, Belarus, right? Like this is this is something that happens in countries where because once once it falls apart, it's very hard to fix it without insurrection you know what do you how do you get into the positions of power to fix it you can't the doors have been closed everyone's inside they've locked the doors and you can't get in and this is what but they'll go through it every four years and they'll say oh yeah we're clicking the ballots and once again our glorious leader got 99 of the vote he must be <laughs> doing a great job that's the fear you know and there's always a push towards that there are will always in any democracy there will always be a contingent of people that want that
0: yeah, and it took a while. Obviously, Putin didn't um, become you know the icon of you know Vladimir Putin that he, we we think of now overnight. He wasn't that well known because he had occupied a lot of these kind of you know not sexy positions within the government.
2: You know, except when he took his shirt off.
0: He took his shirt off, sure, but you know the, the the Russian public didn't have a good sense of who this guy was. You know, he wasn't like. You know, you, you look at say the field of uh, of uh, Democrats who ran in the primaries to uh, you know, ultimately winnow down to Joe Biden. You had some people in there that were like, "Who?" But there were also a fair <laughs> number of people in there that were, you know, your John Hickenloopers. What, but you yeah.
2: know, <laughs> but you also had, you know, Bernie. This Sanders. would be like you if had- Hickenlooper rose to power and became a tyrant.
0: <laughs> yeah. The funny thing, the Hickenlooper, of course, is the the older version of Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt Looper. But,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, I mean, I knew you were going to go with Hickenlooper because it is the funniest name out of
0: clearly, yeah, yeah, easily the silliest. No, but you, but the feel was like when we watch that, you are like, well, you know who Bernie Sanders is, you know who you knew who Kamala Harris was, you knew who um, you know Amy Klobuchar was. A lot of these people were like people you had already seen active right. in the government. Right. It wasn't like it was like. Oh yeah, the deputy secretary of the interior is running. You know, it's you know, but that's kind of what Putin was. He, you know, was not well known, but so he had to then. Now that he was running for president, and now that he was president, it wasn't a, a guarantee that he would stay in power. There was you know a potential for a lot of turnover. The Russian government was not stable. You're talking about a, a government that is really only at this point ten years old. Um, you know, you've got a, an economy that's been shitty. So there actually is a lot of room for volatility and change at that point.
2: Well, this is another good point, And this is why it's really relevant to our times, right? Because like there is a stretch of time when your system is under assault because there is a malevolent force there, you know, and when I would define that as someone who does not want uh, to give up power, right, under any circumstances, there is a moment, there's a period of time that you can kind of withstand that, you know, you'll take on damage or whatever, but like you can still... Throw it off, and 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 there have been examples of that. You know, we know all the like really catastrophic examples where it where it went the other way, but there are examples where democracy reasserted itself within time. And of course, that's my hope for right now is that like we're living through a period where we've got this shot at it, at learning from this and and reasserting and making changes so that it doesn't happen again. But I think, yeah, if we if we let it happen one more time, we go through a more election, they're not going to give up power again. They might not now, you know, but they're definitely not going to, after you let them stay there for another four years, nope. Congratulations. You know, you are, you are in Russia territory. Yeah. I. Fox (laughs) News becomes the state news channel, you know.
0: Right. That's what they would love to have. Um, So let me kind of shift here to talk about what Vladimir Putin did to be, to go from being, hey, all right, so we elected this guy, but who is he really to, like, no, 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 I'm the guy, like, I am Russia. It is the thing that you actually already mentioned up top that you you were like, you had this, which was the bombings. Um, those happened very early into his first presidential term. Because
2: he wasn't polling well.
0: I don't know if he was polling well or not. I don't think he was polling... Yeah, oh, no, you're right, he was. He was polling very poorly. He was at, like, 2% or something mm-hmm. like that. And... The bombing – so we've talked about these are – this is called the apartment bombings and it's four apartments in different parts of Russia but one of them was right in Moscow and uh, it was blamed at the time on Chechen rebels, Chechnya being one of these breakaway countries and I don't know why this one was so special or why Russia really wanted it back. I don't know enough about the conflict but –
2: you know, but it, I do, they do come up, you know, uh, the, the, the Chechen uh, rebels. I hear about them from time to time, you know, in, in that part of the world.
0: I feel like they became like movie villains over here for a while. was like, oh, yeah, the Chechen <laughs> rebels. The same way like the IRA
2: was in the early was 90s. Was Gary Oldman was like, like Chechen or something in Air probably. Force One? <laughs> yeah. It sounds, right. it, it sounds a little like a Star Trek alien, and I think that's why. <laughs> yeah. Chechnya, planet Chechnya. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
0: yeah, so there was this bombings. It was blamed on Chechen rebels, which prompted Vladimir Putin to kickstart uh, a war against Chechnya. So he
2: raised money through crowdfunding? To- <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was actually a GoFundMe.
0: It was a, GoFund- a GoFundMe for a war against Chechnya, which uh, you know uh, the war raged on for many years. But the move itself to start the war was well-received at home. And, you know, made him look strong and, you know, law and order and all that shit. Yep. And like, but like you said, there is some evidence that this was what good old Alex Jones would call a false flag operation.
2: <laughs> but for real, like he really probably well, there's a good this chance he did thing. It. This is the thing. These are the guys that claim that like voter fraud's a thing and then they go out and commit voter fraud and all the all the instances of it are them doing it like it's the people that think of this shit that then turn around and accuse other people of doing it because it's the kind of thing they would do (laughs) so (laughs) here you go here's a guy who who's like yeah false flag operation that's an option yep so yeah so what's the evidence so what's the evidence here that we have to implicate uh my understanding
0: is that there were statements by um, people who had left the government that, you know, were but were working with him at the time that claim that this is what happened. Mm. I am not in a position to evaluate, you know, whether those people are tr- any more trustworthy than Putin um, or, or what evidence they had besides their own statements. I can just tell you that there is some you know, there is at least some body of evidence to suggest that he was behind it as a way of palpiteening it up essentially and saying, I'm going to have. A, yeah. A, a I mean, war. that was
2: my understanding when I, when I did a little digging, uh, it, you know, it just seemed like there was, there was stuff there as opposed to very quickly finding like a Snopes page that was like, no, you know, this is sorry, Karen, this is, a, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a Photoshop. It was, <laughs> it was not that. So
0: his political term is kind of interesting. So he serves two term, four year terms, uh, as president, so 2000 to 2008, and then he knows his term is coming up, and like you said, the Russian constitution says you can't serve more than two consecutive terms, uh, and he said, but the way around that is I'll become the prime minister, which he successfully does, and Dmitry Medvedev uh, becomes right. the president of Russia, who's kind of a handpicked guy, you know, one of his guys,
2: right, and. So, sounds like kind of a made up name, even. It's sort of like, yeah, yes, uh, Dimitri Medvedev. Med, Med, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like uh, looking around the room. Uh, I think I've done that bit on the podcast before, too. It's like uh, exit sign, uh, <laughs> carpet. Uh, but but uh, I, really quickly, I'm curious what's the difference between a president and a prime minister over there? Uh, you
0: see, this is where it wow. falls down because I don't have a great understanding of like the, you know, the separation of powers and the different branches of government in Russia. Uh, I know there's like a Duma, which is kind of the Senate. I think it's a legislative body. The Duma. The Duma. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they, they got the concept from Latvia, I believe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So I, I don't fully understand exactly what the prime minister does versus what the president does, but it's obviously a very prominent position and it allowed Putin to still really kind of, you know, be the face of the country and run the country while somebody else was technically the president. And then in 2012... He uh, was said, "Well, I can run for president again because it just says that I can't have more than two consecutive terms. Yes, nothing says anything about taking a there break in the There is nothing
2: in the rule book that says golden retriever cannot be president, <laughs> right, <laughs> Erbansky?
0: Yeah. So that's what he does. He, you know, he uh, rules lawyers his way in, and and somehow there was a change uh, in the Russian constitution to this point. So now his term is six years." Yeah, I
2: love stuff like that. I love that, like, then laws start getting passed like that. Like, if your name begins with V, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can stay. Like, it's just fucking bonkers.
0: Right. So he won again as president from Twelve to eighteen, and then he won again in eighteen. So his term ends in twenty twenty four, and right. he's claimed. At which he's point, retire. I'm sure
2: he will. Yeah, I'm sure he'll just go ahead and, and retire. Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. It's like guys like this are. You know, they're interesting psychologically. They obviously crave power. And so I don't know. He wouldn't give that up. I mean, he's, he's rich many times over. That's If that was all it was, he'd be done a long time ago. So it's really about having the power, which I don't imagine he's ever going to give up willingly. The,
0: the only thing I, that makes me think he might give up willingly is just because he's getting old you know he may say you know i'm i've been president it's got to be taxing to be president of one of the most important countries in the world for 24 years straight and he's you know in his i think he'll be in his 70s by then he may be willing to go like eh,
2: i don't I'm know tired, man but. i i think that's scary for a guy like that honestly like when we think of these tyrants how often do they really retire don't they usually just get driven out
0: <laughs> right they're either driven out they're killed the you know they're jailed, right it's rare
2: that else. they go okay i'm gonna give it up because it's a drug even when you're old, right. I mean, it's like, it's like acting, you know, people never really retire from acting. <laughs> Despotism, it's the same thing, you know, <laughs> you're always a despot.
0: Yeah. He, um, one thing we should talk about is the way, this is where his power really becomes kind of corrupting and evil. One thing is that Russia, um, so we think of like, man, in this country, you know, you've got like, uh, the Jeff Bezos is of the world are so powerful. they're. they're but they're not quite oligarchs the way Russian oligarchs are. And these are guys that became powerful because they ran, like, um, energy companies. You know, they they control the Russian supply of, like, oil and gas. Like, their their economic lifeline. And they were able to acquire these, what were then state-run companies under the Soviet Union. They got them for dirt cheap kind of after the fall of Russia. And by controlling those things they like it's like this cabal of the richest guys in Russia and Putin is you know, in like 2004 figured out like which ones to court and and have their with their backing he stays in power just sort of like like, uh, like caligula like he is, needed the right um generals
2: yeah that's basically the big natural resource over there isn't it it's like oil and natural gas
0: yeah, that's uh, something they have a lot of. Sure.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think they've shown Putin's government has shown that he's willing to even like, you know, in true uh total recall villain fashion, you know, shut off the gas in the winter to countries that aren't playing ball. Oh,
0: come on, Vladimir. You got <laughs> what you want. People, give these people <laughs> gas. <laughs> come on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so he he has the backing of these oligarchs, but if you cross him, Interesting things start to happen.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a real poisoning problem over there or, or <laughs> yeah. falling out of windows. <laughs>
0: it's, a, it's a lot of poisonings. It's a lot of like people drinking like polonium milkshakes kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and there's, I mean, there's a lot that there's too many of them to kind of talk about here, but there's, and I can't remember all the names of these very hard to pronounce names people, but the, the, look, there's a lot of them. And the, the one thing they have in common is they were, uh, publicly against Putin and yeah. wouldn't you know it, they were poisoned and either died or nearly died.
2: Right, and, and it's like ju- a lot of journalists. Yep, there were some journalists who this happened
0: to, uh, political opponents uh, you know uh, and uh, it was funny there was one of them that Putin actually said, you know, no, it wasn't me uh, and in fact the the poisoning, you know I, I wouldn't have done it because the poisoning caused more problems than, than uh, it would have solved But is he joking? It's hard to tell. I was being
2: sarcastic. Uh, Yeah, I mean, when you think about, I mean, I'm just drawing a direct line, fuck it, I don't care. When you think about the people that Trump rails against, you know, these are the types of people, right? It's the nosy journalists, it's the political adversaries. And thank God we're currently in a point where it's just nasty tweets, right? But
0: Except like, you know, a bunch of these fucking nutcases decide we're going to try to kidnap the governor of Michigan exactly
2: right then you start getting all oh, your your militia buddies okay well they'll do it for you and that is an interesting sort of american twist is that you can just kind of just rile up some gun toting psychopaths and just sort of point them in the right direction and then say like i don't know i just i just say right? stuff I, I just retweet stuff yeah, yeah.
0: It, but this is definitely a, a, a slightly different species. This is pretty clearly like these feel like KGB type hits. You know, this is
2: right, right, know, right.
0: Th- your average gun toting idiot from the backwoods is not likely to get his hands on some radioactive isotope to you know to slip into a make into a drink. Right. You know, that's right. Not well, there, you know, so.
2: look, that's that's the American way. We innovate. We found a better way to do it. <laughs> more <laughs> yeah. more deniability.
0: So, uh, but there was a lot of that. There's. Uh, it's also worth mentioning uh, uh, Pussy Riot, which uh, is a band, uh, a Russian band made up of, of uh, females. I don't know if they. You know what their original all. name was? What was it?
2: Vagina Fracas.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Pussy Riot's a little more punchy. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, I was going to say I don't know if all of their members are uh, LGBTQ, but oh. certainly many of them are.
2: Right, and, and another, that, another, uh, yeah, another kindred sort of element of the hard right over there and the hard right over here is you know they hate the gays. Russia sure does. We're well, not Russia, but you know these guys in Russia sure do hate, hate the LGBTQ <sighs> Russians.
0: Right, and not only were they gay, but they were obviously very outspoken. And I don't know. I haven't listened to much of their music, but they feel like what punk rock is supposed to be. I don't know if they're actually a punk rock band, but they are very, like, you know, vocally- I think they qualify.
2: I'm pretty sure they're punk rock.
0: And like all good punk rock, you know, it's fuck the government. You know, that's their thing. And they were
2: arrested.
0: They were were arrested probably under some pretty shitty false pretenses and held in custody for, I think, three years, something like that. Damn. And eventually, I think because of the efforts of groups like Amnesty International and stuff like that, they were able to get released. And, um, you know, but again, it's that sense of like you can't speak out against the government. Like, you know, they you, they will literally come after you. And not in the way that like, oh, people were mean to me on Twitter. Like, you know, they will literally come after you. Right. And you know, to me, it helps. It helps plumbly. that
2: Russia has had a history of that prior to this. You know what I mean? It's sort of like the well, old... the,
0: yeah, the Soviet Union wasn't any different. The only thing that changed is the economic
2: system. Right, right. So the old structures are still there. You know, this reminds me once of uh, when I was traveling in Germany. And we were at the airport and, you know, Germany, obviously a very different country now, very, uh, very progressive. They make great board games, Uh, but the German police are still kind of the German police. You know, (laughs) they like they like pulled us aside and we're like going through our suitcase. Do you have your papers? It really was. It was like, why do you have so many pairs of shoes? You know, it was just like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Uh, it was yeah. it was a really funny bit. You know, our, our uh, frequent uh, podcast medieval guest, Lauren Flans, was with me. We were doing a uh, what's called a corporate show. You know, we were with uh, a Sketch and Improv Troupe uh, in Europe doing a doing a show. And so we had these sketches uh, that were for the company. It was probably like Philips or something, you know what I mean? And, and uh, they were like looking <laughs> at the sketches and Flans was like, I'm sorry. You know, we just didn't have a lot of time to write those. They're really kind of rough. <laughs> well, the Germans
0: are known for their sense of humor.
2: That's yeah, I don't think <laughs> they got it. <laughs> right.
0: um, yeah, you know, I have a little personal experience with this. I, I actually have been to Russia. Uh, I was 13. This was in 1993. It's a very different Russia, and I was there for 10 days. I spent three days in St. Petersburg during the time Putin was – Running the show, or deputy mayor, or something of, of Saint Petersburg, uh, and then seven days in Moscow, and I, rem- what I remember from the trip was, even though this was three years after um, uh, was it Glasnost, whatever, when uh, in the nineteen ninety one, the people were really unsure of democracy, and they didn't feel safe, and it's understandable; they're only a few years out from. The USSR, um, but we stayed in a, with a family in their apartment when we were in Moscow. They put us up with with families, and the mom and the dad were both nuclear physicists. And they, I remember trying to have conversations with them about, you know, what is it, you know, what do you feel about this situation here? You know, there's a big upheaval. You must have opinions about this, and they did not want to share, not because they weren't. They were actually very cordial, very courteous, wonderful, warm people. But you could tell it was like, you know, the, it was like George Orwell was sitting right fucking behind them. right,
2: right. Know, and right. had
0: been for their whole lives and they just could not go like, yeah, I can't. I can't share that. People could be listening, you know, like, and like, I right. couldn't even imagine, you know, what that's like to grow up in that kind of environment. But it, you could just tell the same. Like, my mom, we're Jewish, and my mom had asked, she was with me on the trip, and it was like, oh, can we go see like a, a synagogue here over Russia uh, while we're here? It'd be interesting to see. And the tour guy was like, mm, you don't want to do that, you know, because. <laughs> Anti-Semitism out here in Russia is running pretty wild, as it always has. And right. so they wouldn't they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't take us to a synagogue just because they were concerned about safety. And wow. I remember having a talk with my mom. Even they said, like, you know, hey, kid, you know how we, like, drop Yiddish words all the time because we're Jewish and we just do it? Don't do it for 10 days. You know, just do not give any indication you're Jewish. Yeah, this was, and um, and one, this, was um, this is like three weeks after my bar mitzvah, and I was like, "Don't this say." This is anything.
2: this is the thing with these fucking Trump supporters, and I'm sorry if you're listening; and you're a Trump supporter. I can't imagine why you would be listening. <laughs> I think we have made it pretty clear where we stand. Yeah, over the yes, last you are some not some welcome on this podcast, okay? <laughs> but like, you know, these guys out there, Jews will not replace us. You know, the very fine people there in uh, in uh, Charleston, Charlottesville. Charlottesville sorry, uh, Charlottesville. Um, but yeah, I mean here you go. These the see that's the thing with those types of people. They don't have no love for America. That's not their flag. Their flag is is racism, you know, their flag it's, is hatred. They they look at a guy like Putin and they go, Yeah, yes, I'm more in line with it. you. He gets it. I like his style. That's those are my people. That's my people. It's not. It's not America. It's it's my vision of what America should be, and it's like that. And it's there's always anti-Semitism. There's always motherfucking anti-Semitism there, and I don't know yeah. why. Well, because nationalism,
0: by its nature, you know, the problem is is that what America is supposed to stand for is inclusion. And, you know, all men are created equal and it's – people want to be like, yes, all men are created equal except you. <laughs> you know, right. uh, you know, we are entitled to this promised land. You are not.
2: Right. Well, uh, sort of it's oldest, or, one of the oldest – one of the oldest – I mean this is – you know, I have no scholarly uh, way to back this up. But it is sort of one of the earliest like documented – prejudices right I mean you know you, you use the the New Testament and you can kind of you, you know which is a political document in a lot of ways right these is this is a, a rival religion you know and and it's uh it's <laughs> I'm gonna call it a manifesto but but you know it, it people have used that to justify anti-semitism and that's a very old book so that's one way I mean you need a group you need somebody
0: well look I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Russian anti-semitism because my ancestors are all russian i but they're all from like poland and russia and my at least on my mom's side uh they all got the hell out during the pogroms which is basically when the cossacks would come riding in like if you've seen fiddler on the roof they dramatize this or an american tale they actually open a kids movie with this oh no the cats Okay. So they come riding into town, they set everything on fire. And thankfully, my Jewish ancestors were smart enough to go, you should get the hell out of here. They don't want us. So they came to America. Um, But so yeah, that kind of like hard right thing is baked into Russia. But also like you read stuff like Dostoevsky, and you get this sense of like, man, people are just fucking depressed. Like there's been, it's been like this forever that like it's the government, the whether it's the czars or <laughs> the Soviet union, or now the Russian Federation under Vladimir Putin, like, man, is this war between the haves and have nots been unbalanced for years and just there's it's been so hard to get democracy to just kind of grow there, to put down the roots and say, like, nah, if you just let down the reins of power for a second and let everybody participate, I promise you, everybody's gonna be yeah, happier, well that's, that, it's gonna that's be fine.
2: When you have this extreme divisiveness, like getting democracy to flourish in that situation is really, really tough. And it's one of the scary parts about right now, right? The big divisions that we have in this country. Because you go like, what, that asshole? He gets to have a say in what goes on? Hell no. Right. You know, that's the problem
0: with a democracy, but it's also the thing that you, that you need with a democracy. And what's missing a lot of the time, I think, is, you know, you look at the founders and what they wrote and, you know, we talked about this a little bit when, when Tarek was on the podcast that, you know, you have this weird disconnect between a guy like Thomas Jefferson who writes, all men are created equal while owning people. And, you know, you say, all right, but thankfully there's the death of the author and we're left with his, you know, the good thing he wrote and not the bad things he did uh, to some degree, at least, but you know that that promise of all men are created equal, um, we've been working towards it as long as we have. It's been a hard fight, um, but it's premised on the notion of people coming in together in good faith and trying and having different perspectives on how to solve a shared societal problem. Where this has started to fall down, in my estimation. Is that we've lost that good faith and that you now have a political party in the GOP that says either we're gonna pretend this shit isn't a problem, therefore we're gonna do nothing, or we're gonna say we nobody deserves help. We're not, you know, it's wrong for us to help you. Well, Fuck this is you, another you solve your own problem.
2: Another hallmark of fascism, which is this disdain for the weak and the powerless and this this fetishizing of strength, right? You know, and that, and you see that now, too. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, and they say all lives matter. Like, they don't believe that for a fucking second. You know, kids being no. thrown in cages and black people being shot in the streets. And, and then, you know, coronavirus, the, the people dying left and right from coronavirus because you won't wear a fucking mask. Yeah, all lives matter, my ass. So absolutely, you know. Um, but anyway, Putin. <laughs> yeah,
0: Putin. Um, well, Putin is like, he's this interesting kind of... Uh, warning to us, you know, of like what we could become if we give over, give our power to the dark side. I think that Russia used to be rated as a democracy. And now a lot of the international organizations that rate this are kind of saying they're not, they're they're just not, they're not having free and fair elections. And, you know, you see it now here with Trump trying to do everything he can to undermine this election with Russia trying to undermine our election for the second time.
2: He's literally going out there trying to cast doubt on this very uh, system that you're talking about. People have to believe in the idea. They have to believe in the institutions for it to have any power. It's just a concept. You know, if you don't believe in it, it ain't real anymore. And you had literally have in an American president someone who is saying elections don't fucking work.
0: Right. At least, you know, unless I win, in which case it's great. Of right? course. Yeah. And who wants to yeah. sit
2: down and play a game with someone who says, if I don't win, then then you're cheating. That's, you can't right. do that. That's not a system.
0: Yeah. And again, it's not a goal. The goal is not to promote the general welfare, which is what our constitution is supposed to be about, that we're all supposed to be working for everyone's common good. It's, you know, I'm going to work for the people that support me. And if you don't support me, I'm going to, you know, just rat fuck you until you either give in and do support me or get the hell out of the way. No,
2: I'm the president of the real America. You're in right. the fake America, the one that, that, you know, I'm at war with and I will withhold federal emergency funding from because you're, the, you're not Americans. You're not my country. And, and meanwhile, Putin sits back and, man, does he get everything that he ever wanted on his wish list, you know, to see us tear ourselves apart from the inside. Without having to fire a shot. I mean, it is brilliant. Yeah. And the he Russians, is, by the way, for a long time have known that our Achilles heel was racism. You know, oh back yeah, in the, back in the old Cold War days, I mean, they had a pretty legitimate uh, uh, weapon against us by invoking that. Sure. Well,
0: we've done a lot of racist shit, it's right? Nice. And you it know, sticks.
2: like the the argument is like, yeah, it's true, <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. but it it happens to be a real weakness and and something you cannot just use for um, for political purposes internationally, but you can exploit to cause real unrest which is what's happened. Those fires have been really stoked by Donald Trump. You know, I think sometimes about the, the quote unquote riots and the looting or whatever that he likes to talk about, but no one is actually a bigger driver of that than he is. You know, he's out there inflaming it as much as possible, sending federal troops and, 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 and highlighting it and inflaming tensions and all this stuff. He's doing everything he can to make that into, take a fire and turn it into an inferno.
0: Because it, allows him to discredit the argument that is being made in the protest, which is you take a group of people that says, look, we're being subjected to unfair treatment. Please help us. We're going to protest. Well, you don't want to agree they're true. So what you have to do is discredit them. So, you you know, even if some of them are legitimately looting, now it's a chance to say, well, we don't need to care about the message because the messenger is bad, right? It's like, right, well, you didn't do anything to solve the racism problem. Well, think you, about you know, it. You've just, got you
2: – know, You've got the uh, the Reichstag fire in you know uh, Weimar Germany, you know, which leads to Nazi Germany. You've got got the apartment apartment bombings, the apartment bombings In in Russia, which you know allows Putin to consolidate his political power. And if you know, in the darkest timeline, what you have here. Is is vilifying like the Black Lives Matter movement, inventing this idea of Antifa as a as a as a military organization, and you create that. That's your enemy. That becomes the thing that you use to scare the old. You're gonna take the America old, away. The old and the stupid amongst the whites mm-hmm. <laughs> into into following you. That's what you got. That's the, exactly. You need something. You need a boogeyman.
0: All dictatorships need a boogeyman. We saw it when we talked about EDME. mean, I think we probably even hit on this in like the Caligula episode. The, you know, this is nothing new. It really is nothing new in the, in the we it's just a defect in the human condition that occasionally we you know our society generates leaders like this that exploit the weaknesses in our in our just meatbag brains that are wired this way and they can they can do a lot of damage.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Caligula because I think sometimes about... I think it was Plato who actually had written something about uh, how authoritarians rise in a democracy. That's actually the place where they show up because democracies are inherently messy. They're con- there's all this compromise. People get very frustrated. They're slow moving because everyone has to like weigh in and and it, sometimes it goes this way and sometimes it goes that way. And you know there's always this feeling of like if we could just get a really strong leader to kind of come in and just tell everybody what to do, things would be so much easier and better. And that's what happens in a democracy. You like you said eventually you 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 kick out somebody like that who who can kind of short circuit the process. So no democracy is safe from it and no democracy ever will be safe from it because we all know what it's like well, to be and, a fucking you know, meeting with a bunch of other people and trying to come up with something.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Well, you know, Trump is not our first shitty president in this regard. You know, we, you know, there's certainly others in our history that fit this mold. Maybe not quite the way he does with the mass communication tools that he has, but you know, we've certainly had our share of corrupt awful people too. You know, so it's you know, it's hopefully it's a A blip, we get past it, and we get back to the more rational, level-headed people.
2: Uh, Yes, I take your point, but I think this is different, and I think we know that it's different because of the assault. on. This is the thing that scares me the most. I mean, there's a few ticking clocks here, and among them are climate change. That's a big one. You know, Mm -hmm. these are the things that you can't undo, and the assault on democracy. Those are the two things that keep me up at night. You know, we could go through bad periods. We could have bad presidents. But as soon as you get one that says, I'm so bad that I'm going to break the entire system beyond repair at a time when we don't have the years to be fucking around with this stuff, where we need to be moving into smarter policies and encouraging and creating jobs with green energy and and things like that, like to save the fucking planet. We just don't have time for this shit. So it is it is different in that regard. And as we come upon the election, I think you and I both agree that, like, this is not one to sit out. Or take lightly and i'm sure anyone listening has already got their they kind of voted. feel the they same haven't. way we do yeah, yeah and, and if you haven't already voted of course but i mean you know this stuff really i think we all feel very passionate about it we're yeah. trapped in our homes due to you know a mismanaged uh, response to a virus you know these guys are just more interested in using social issues social wedge used to consolidate power and then you know hand out money to their rich supporters which is what putin does uh, but then, when something happens like a real crisis, like a like a pandemic or climate change, they're not real leaders, so they can't actually lead because they never were. That was never their intention.
0: Right. And if you're one of our international listeners, and I know you're out there, uh, and you've got a couch to crash on in case things don't go so well uh, for us, just think of your old pals, Doug and Dan, (laughs) where we (laughs) should go. Podcasting from exile. (laughs) (laughs) My kids are very cute. You're going to like them. Um, Yeah, I don't
2: don't know what I have to offer, but uh, I'll think of something. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I'm sorry. I I feel like I took us off on a tangent. uh, No, no. no This is our election special. It was a good tangent to have. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, take it back to where you want to. uh,
0: No, I I think we've covered Putin at this point. I think we've really hit a lot of the highlights. Again, we could talk for hours about the little nitty gritty details. But, you know, I think as a survey course, we've we've done him justice here.
2: Okay. well, uh, his story, as you mentioned, is still being told. So we don't know where it ends. But, uh, you know, one thing I would like to ask you about really quickly, I think I know some of this stuff, but, you know, Russia, 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 the collusion, it's all a hoax, fake news. Um, you know, what is the theory there, the prevailing theory that you subscribe to with, with Trump and Putin? Because obviously there's some sort of leverage there. Trump, uh, you know, has, if has you want nothing my but positive m- things to say about him and is only bent over every time Putin has wanted something. So it's, it's something's up. I mean, I think it's probably a simple answer, but what's your theory? Well,
0: the simple answer is Trump owes a lot of money and to, to a lot of people, and he was getting loans from European banks, which are probably you know these oligarchs are behind uh and so he certainly has a strong motive. We know he was trying to build a Trump tower in Moscow um you know before he ran for president. So he certainly owes somebody a lot. Um, I imagine they really are pulling the strings to some degree, even if not directly. He is probably to some degree legitimately scared that he's going to get a polonium milkshake someday. Sure, you know, you know, they could decide, you know, the second he's out of power, you know, and the you know the IRS comes knocking to imprison him, he probably knows some things. If he wanted to squeal, that would make him. You know, a liability. So, maybe, you know, maybe. I, I do think he's, you know, he's beholden to Russia. Now, the d- degree to which he's beholden to Russia, how much they really did collude directly. We may never know that, or at least we may not know it for a while. Yeah. But, th- you know, there's no question that he is, has bent over backwards for Russia in a way that, you know, even a lot of Republicans have had to stand up and go, what the f- literal fuck no it's bizarre it's just just
2: bizarre it's it's absolutely bizarre and you know once again this the there's this machismo that everyone you know who's a weird-ass hard right wing person loves to like you know, Get off on, but then you have this obsequiousness with Trump and Putin, and it's embarrassing. It's just it's like because the Putin, Helsinki he want, and everything, it's he, absolutely embarrassing. Trump
0: wants to be in the cool kids' club, and to him, the dictatorial strongman is the cool kids' club. That's why he tries to suck up to Kim Jong un. You know, he sure, sure, this is the image that he likes. He, you know, I think with he. He thinks if he's one of these guys, maybe we'll all work together, right? We'll all be a well. Team. That's the
2: part that's actually kind of endearing in a dumb way.
0: <laughs> but well, but, he's know, inept. He's right? inept. Inept. Yeah, inept. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. He just you know him wanting to be a cool guy makes him sort of like a sitcom character. I think with, I think I agree with what you're saying. You know, there's a lot of there's interesting theories regarding things like compromat and stuff like that, which of course is a Russian word for a reason. You know, this is when they get uh, they get dirt on you, and then they use it against you, and they and they uh, they blackmail um, you. They blackmail you, extort you, but I think with Trump, it's probably about as simple as what would happen if you owed a lot of money to organized crime, right? Like that's kind of what's happening. Which is here. the Russian government. Well, that's right. <laughs> they're they're international mobsters essentially, and um, if you owed them a bunch of money, how safe would you feel going against their interests?
0: Right. That's exactly right. So yeah, um, I, I I agree, uh, and I, it'll be interesting to see you know how much of this story comes out I mean it took us a long time to find out who deep throat was you know um so it may be a little while before this comes out but also you know uh Trump's in his 70s he's not well he's had coronavirus uh, you know you know so depending on when he actually dies and how you know that that may hasten the release of some of this information but well, you know, now, this, be what
2: this will be something we will be finding out about. I I predict for the rest of our lives, there will be details <laughs> and information just that, that comes out over time, and it's it's like the JFK assassination, you know, just like r- interesting shit forever, you know, on that stuff. And and I think this is there's a lot there, and Putin is absolutely the type of guy to engage in exactly that kind of old school cloak and dagger bullshit. <laughs> he loves uh, it. He loves it. He loves it. Um, So this is a special episode, which means it's sort of out of sequence. So we don't really necessarily need to do all of our little segments at the end here. But you can you can roll the wheel of villains if you want
0: to do that. I don't have the wheel ready. I think uh, I think it'll be fun to do that, though, in the future.
2: Randomize Um, the matchup. Uh, Well, But I'm getting ahead of myself. So so uh, on the alignment, he's pretty neutral, evil, right?
0: I'd say he's lawful. I mean, he is the you know he is the head of an evil empire, right? Oh, I okay, yeah,
2: fair enough. Good call.
0: Yeah, I, I think he he goes there. Well, I mean, he shares a lot of like you know evil DNA with you know the Palpatines of the world. You know the or, sure. It's know, funny because like, he's he, he isn't you know? he's
2: also a crime lord. But but you're right when you control a country that makes it easier for you to claim lawful evil status.
0: Yeah, and then uh, would you
2: fan casting? This is hard. Yeah. Yes. So Beck Bennett plays him on SNL. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Dries pretty well. Anyone else uh, actually portrayed him in any kind of TV movies or anything?
0: Oh, I'm sure that's true. You know, I didn't look for that. Um, I was doing, it was so much Russian history to try and cry him for. I didn't look for that. Uh, You know, I actually think Beck Bennett is actually pretty good uh, as Vladimir Putin. If he wanted to like actually, you know, turn it dramatic, he he could do it. (laughs) Okay. I, well, you know, if you inter- tell them, like, don't ham it up, just play it for reals Well, you it's-
2: know, P- Putin's vocal quality, I never really It's funny, because you usually just hear somebody, like, talking over it, you know, translating So I don't know what he even really sounds like
0: I do, um, it's not like that Like, usually it's like, hello, I'm, you know, Russian Right, that's right
2: you think it's, like, super deep, yeah, like Boris and Natasha or something
0: Yeah, it's not uh, He has, his voice is, if anything, it's closer to mine um it's getting kind of a higher
2: <laughs> Oh no what a oh, dark no.
0: No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah I know Um it, it, yeah so he's a little bit of a higher voice not high but you know it's like it's sort of like it's an average person voice it's not I, I don't know how you would imitate it it's not that distinctive um it's not that evil sounding like he's like oh that's i, I was surprised You're like that's what he sounds like he's not at yeah. all uh, you know
2: well then uh, I, my choice is to have you play him doug if you oh sense. no
0: <laughs> because i'm bald and russian and i have this <sighs> yeah
2: yeah das exactly. um you know that's representation i don't want to find someone to play i, I need a bald russian <laughs> yeah <laughs> um rude. Okay, all right. Well, I here's, here's who I want to put him against in the title fight, okay? Because okay. I think it would just right. be interesting. I want to see him fight uh, Lex Luthor. Oh, okay. Bald okay. on bald.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh. there you go. Battle of the Balds. <laughs> um, well, they both have access to some pretty nasty technology. Right,
2: right yeah. I feel like uh, if Lex Luthor was going to poison him, it would be with kryptonite. But yes, would
0: that work on him? I'm sure there've
2: been storylines where, like, if you're if a human being ingests a lot of kryptonite, it's not good. You know, oh, I'm I mean? sure it wouldn't be. Yeah,
0: um, I could see that. I I don't know. Part of the problem is Putin has such a larger um, manpower. Like he is, he is he commands the entire Russian army. He's got mm-hmm. KGB. Like Lucifer doesn't have that much of a staff. I don't think.
2: You know, it's sort of funny to me because we've said that uh, these are two guys that trump would like to be yeah i think you know what i mean concerned like sees himself as so you kind of take you take lex luthor which is like the trump's like wet dream version of himself
0: which is odd because as we were as you said lex luthor was rewritten to be more trumpy in the 80s right
2: right right so you know putting slapping his brand on everything so it is sort of interesting to 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 take take uh, the super version of that and and you know put it against Putin as opposed to being uh, you know loyal to him. Well, I mean, it's, it's hard cuz Luther's a fictional character and he's very formidable and I just feel like you know he would he would come up with some sort of plot to get leverage on the guy who gets leverage on everybody else. That's
0: interesting. So he gets compromised on Putin? Yeah. I saw it going a different way, which is I feel like there's instances when, like, when the danger to Earth has been big enough, Luther has actually, like, teamed up with Superman, and there's been kind of, like, an understanding of, like, look, you know, I get that I'm evil, and you're good, and we're at cross-purposes, but we both want an Earth left to operate on, so, you know, we're going to team up against, you know, Dark Side or whoever, you know. The, um, right. So I wonder if he would be like, listen, w- Superman, you believe in truth, justice, in the American way – and I'm going to need your help to take down Vladimir Putin.
2: You know, it, it reminds me, I think of this more than I should, but I think, is it Paul Servino who's in um, uh, Rocketeer and he's like a mobster? So there's like the, the the factions in the movie, The Rocketeer, which is a better movie than you might think. I think it's on Disney Plus. You should go watch it if you haven't seen it. It's kind of a fun little romp. But anyway, there's the, the good folks, The Rocketeer crew there's the nazis because i think it's in the 30s and these are like the the embedded nazis that are hiding out in america and then there's mm-hmm. like the mob okay so this these are all the people that i think are like vying for the rocket pack or something but paul okay. servino is a mob boss and at the end you know he ends up being helpful because he's like you know, I may be a criminal, but I'm an American, you know. What mm-hmm. I, mean? I still so, live
0: here. Yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. And you kind of like cheer. You go like, "Yeah, that's right." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that's the thing the thing that disgusts me about disloyal uh, people like like Trump, it's like, "Yeah, you can be a criminal, but you have to still stand by your country." So, I like that idea that that Luther would draw a line. There, at least on Earth, you know, yeah, or or America, I guess mm-hmm. in this case. So, uh, yeah, I think he, I think he, he, he'd stand up for America because that's where all his stuff is.
0: Yeah, exactly. So there okay, you go. Okay. So we're, we're going to A winner is Lex. All
2: right.
0: A winner is Lex. Uh, so let's do some admin. So as we said up top, if you like the podcast, please uh, drop us a line at podcast but evil on Twitter and uh, uh, reviews on the Apple ecosystem are extremely helpful uh, not just because they boost our ego but because they boost our signal so more people are likely to find the podcast uh, oh and one other piece of business we got some very nice feedback so I thought I'd read that oh terrific before we close up so this this person actually wrote to us a different way if you're not uh, on Twitter Twitter uh, one way you can find us is our our podcast is hosted by a website called fireside.fm and you can find us on there and you can contact us through that which is what this person did. Uh, listener is uh, Jason Miller. I assume it's not Trump's <laughs> stooge. Jason Miller, you know the one who looks He's like like I the love the
2: won't. podcast. Do you have to rail on Trump so
0: much? <laughs> Listen, you giant human thumb. Just pay your child support. Um, All right. So this is, I assume this is a different Jason Miller. So uh, he writes, hello, guys. I just want to say that I am one of the listeners that is into Final Fantasy. He wrote this after our Sephiroth. Oh, this is
2: you, Doug. This is you in a wig. (laughs) I forwarded this to you so you know it's real.
0: Uh, So I'm actually quite happy that you covered Sephiroth. If Kefka, the villain from FF6, were more popular, I'm sure that would be an interesting topic. I'm hoping to someday hear a podcast about one of my all-time favorite comic book villains, Doctor Doom. Uh, Doctor Doom played a... Hmm?
2: As as we mentioned, uh, we referenced earlier. Yeah. The uh, the despot of Latveria.
0: Yeah. Uh, Doctor Doom played a central role in the Marvel reboot, Uh, and in some ways has been a hero to the Marvel Universe, weirdly enough. Uh, Other villains I'm interested in hearing about from Marvel Comics would be uh, Magneto, definitely, Uh, Apocalypse, and Mr. Sinister. uh, The maker from uh, Mr. Fantastic from the Ultimate Marvel Universe would be incredibly cool to cover. Um, We really haven't done a lot of comic book villains. Um, I'm hoping we'll do some more in the future.
2: we We should do a run of comic book villains. That'd be fun. He goes on. Villains from
0: other series I think are worthy of consideration would be Khan Noonien Singh from Star Trek, uh, which we definitely considered. Uh, Or I'm not sure if you guys follow anime characters, but some interesting ones might be Orochimaru from the Naruto series or maybe Frieza from Dragon Ball Z. I'm not that familiar with those, but I'd have to bone up for sure to cover uh, an anime villain. I think anime is worth exploring for sure. Uh, He says, if you want another video game villain, I recommend Virgil from the Devil May Cry series. And I think you should watch uh, Death Battle on YouTube, particularly the Sephiroth versus Virgil video. Uh, Just wow, a bit of a glimpse on how they cover character abilities with scientific scrutiny, which we don't do too much of. Uh, And he says, I found the show via StarTalk slash uh, Matt on Probably Science and uh, Dan's guest appearance on Probably Science. If the four of you cover a science villain and get those guys on, it should be probably a science podcast, but evil. So, thanks, Jason, for writing in. I really appreciate it. A science it. I
2: think- villain like Dr. Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: his uh, phony virus. And, and uh, thank you for backing me on Zephyroth. I know I'm not the only one. Yes, thank um, you for
2: writing in, Jason. Really appreciate the feedback. And it's kind of cool that you found us through that other appearance I did on uh, Probably Science.
0: Yeah, uh, and you know... We've collected a lot of uh, listener recommendations uh, over the course of the year we're doing the podcast. We haven't uh, actually deployed any of those yet. So I'm sure we're going to go into the lab at some point and we're going to go through the ones that people suggested and maybe do like. Yeah, uh, you bachelors. just need
2: to suggest one that we were going to do anyway. Um, okay. And, you know, if I, if I may, Doug, like move over to the little bit of added value content I wanted to uh, close out with today. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, it's probably not lost on you if you're paying attention to our release dates that we've fallen a little bit behind. And that's because I've been working very hard in the last. Month for a show that finally went out. It was uh, a heck of an experience. It was through my group Lost Moon Radio, which is a fantastic comedy group. Uh, I was a fan before I joined it, so I think I can say that with some authority. Doug's a fan,
0: absolutely. Yeah, they're they're really one of the best live experiences, uh, live comedy things you can do in the LA area. And unfortunately, due to COVID, uh, you can't. And if you don't live in the LA area, you couldn't anyway. But so that's show.
2: really what happened. We hadn't been able to do a show. We had it's almost been almost a year. Like everything. It's just been shut down. And uh, I worked with everybody to figure out a way to do a show during quarantine that was safe but still was of quality and, and on the level that we have come to expect from ourselves. And uh, so we call, it was called Lost Moon Radio is Doing Fine. Uh, and it went out uh, on Tuesday night. We did a live stream of it, uh, sketches, songs, and a storyline. Um, and, you know, if you go to our channel on YouTube, Lost Moon Radio, you should be able to find... I think we're going to put the whole stream out, so you can watch the whole hour-long show, which I think is a lot of fun because there's a narrative and everything. Um, but... Uh, also, we'll be pulling stuff out from that show and putting it out there in separated videos too, in case you like your comedy in bite sized chunks. So, I wanted to, because we're all under a lot right now and we're heading into this election, which is just turning, I think all of us, our stress is just at its maximum peak. The level we can't see past Tuesday, it's just you, there's too much uncertainty, right? So, uh, there's a closing song from that show that uh, meant a lot to me. I was really happy to be a part of it. And I felt like closing out today's podcast uh, and, and, you know, as we wish you well uh, in, in the days and weeks ahead and we'll be here. Um, I wanted to close out with that song, if, if that's cool, Doug.
0: Uh, it's very cool with me.
2: OK, so we'll do our we'll do our sign off and then uh, I will play the song. Uh, Gentlemen to Evil. Clink. Clink. It's late.
1: I should be sleeping. But instead my heart is weeping What if there's an outbreak at the schools? Now the economy's in trouble The infection rate just doubled Cause some folks won't follow the rules I'm gonna keep on fighting. Too much at stake, no more hiding. And the thing that keeps hope alive oh my god, RBG just died. Fuck! Holy fuck! Fuck! What the actual fuck? I guess I'll do my breathing. It's okay to feel my feelings I can watch that British baking show The whole west coast is burning All the hurricanes are converging Oh my god, CNN's reporting The earth opened up and swallowed Idaho Fuck! Oh, fuck. A fucking inside of fuck The biggest. fuck!
2: This just in Tom Hanks has recontracted COVID.